0: Listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at CBCSavannah.com. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter four. We're in our fourth week. Today is the last day of January. Statistics say that forty percent of you have our, have broken your New Year's resolutions. Congratulations on that. Uh, by February 13th, 75% of you will have broken all of your resolutions. I'm actually anxious for you to break them because I am sick of waiting at the gym, okay? Uh, I'm sick of the January people at the gym. Please leave, go back home so that those of us who are there in July can get back to normal. Um, So everybody starts the year You know, wanting change, right? Wanting a new direction, wanting things to be new. And then what happens? Just life happens and things creep in. And then we have excuses. Excuses. We want things to be different, but then there's an excuse. Why things can't be different or why I cannot fill in the blank. Today, Moses is going to give excuses, reason after reason, why he cannot fill in the blank. Um, and what we're gonna see is the same excuses that he uses are the same excuses that we use in our lives. Where God has called us to do things, he wants us to do things, he's been directing us to do things, he wants things to change. And you may know what that is. You may know. I know that I need to be more patient. I know that I need to be getting some help with my finances. I need to be more invested in my family. I know that this is an issue that I'm supposed to be dealing with. Whatever, right? I need to learn to be content, uh, I need to let this bitterness go. I need to f- fix that situation that I left at my prior church, job, whatever. You know what God has called you to do, but there's an excuse. Or maybe you don't. Maybe there's an inkling. Maybe there's maybe it's something well like, upside you. You feel like God is leading you maybe to start something new over here, but, but there's all these excuses why you can't, why you can't, why you can't. And there's all this hemming and Holland, and you have excuses. What keeps us from doing what God has called us to do? What keeps us from growing and accomplishing uh, those things. That's what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna see that there's nothing new under the sun. Moses' excuses are our excuses. Uh, so we're gonna look at them, and then we're gonna see how God responds. He uh, responds to Moses, and maybe responds to some of you with your excuses. So Exodus chapter four, uh, we're gonna cover verses one through 17. And really gonna see three common Broad excuses that that we use that seem real good at the time, like the dog ate my homework, but really, they're just not going to fly in in God's eyes. Um, Last week... If you're, kind of a, if you're a guest, you're, you're new, you're visiting, we've been going through the book of Exodus. What we saw last week is that famous scene, the burning bush, God reveals himself to Moses, who he is, what he is like, his character. He's been directing the whole story so far, but now he steps out and shows who he is. And he's given Moses very clear, this is important, very clear instructions, very clear directions all right, let me recap it because we kind of flew through it last week at the end. Here's where he, where he, he tells Moses, uh, picking up. He says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise, that's a key word. I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the, all the ites, to a land of milk and honey. That's a good thing, right? You're in a bad situation. I'm gonna take you to a good situation. Verse 18, and they will listen to your voice. That's a key, key phrase. You and the elders of Israel should go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is what's going to happen. And this is what I'm going to do in response. He's not going to let you go unless he's compelled by a mighty hand. So I'm going to show a mighty hand and I will give this people favor in, in the, at, verse, at the verse 19. I'll give these people favor at the end. And when you go, you shall not go empty. So he's going to, he's going to let you go. And then they're going to show you such favor that, that the ladies are going to ask of their neighbor. Anyone who lives in their house for silver and gold and jewelry for clovering. And they're going to put them on their sons and daughters. You're going to leave rich. The ladies are going to walk out and be like, oh, those are nice earrings. You wearing those? No, here. Lululemon, Egyptian cotton. Can, can I have some? Just take it. All right? Some things don't change. Okay? Right, and and you're gonna plunder the Egyptians. This is what's going to happen. This is the direction that God has given to Moses, right? He has been very clear. And it's important to understand that when we're talking about change and we're talking about direction, it starts where? It starts with God. It starts with his word. Right? We're not talking about uh, goal setting, right? Which is not bad. It's not wrong to have goals and say, Oh, I want to be able to do 50 push-ups by the end of February. That's fine. That's great, but that's not this. This is where God is moving, God is directing, he's saying this, and how do we respond? Do we have excuses or do we go? Moses is going to have excuses. So let's look at them, verse one. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. All right, now the nuance of the Hebrew, the, the ESV brings it very literally, right? The word behold, hene, in the, in the uh, Hebrew, it's very literal. But the nuance is, is uh, more of a question like, what if? So your NIV, New Living Translation, a bunch of your translations say, what if they would? That's, that's, that's a better idea of what's going on. What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord didn't appear for you? What if? What if? And, and as far as excuses go, actually, this is not a bad one. Right? This is not a horrible excuse for Moses because it's been 400 years since God has done anything like this, number one. So God hasn't really spoken for 400 years. And so that, that's a significant thing. Also, have you ever tried to convince a group of 2 million people and the most powerful man in the world to do something based on your conversation with a burning bush? Okay, so this is not a horrible question. Right? God told me to do this. This is why the New Testament writers tell us just because someone says, God says, don't always listen to them. All right? First Thessalonians, First John, we saw it last semester, or last year, uh, says test the spirits. Because there's many that will say, God said, God said. How do you know it's legit? Does it line up with this book? If it says the same thing as this book is, then, then you can say, okay, God said that. If it doesn't, then you don't. And, and the problem for the Hebrews, there is no this book at this time. Because guess who wrote the first five books? The guy that's talking to them. So they don't have the word of God. So this is a legitimate question. What if they say God didn't really send? So it seems legit anyway, except for one kind of significant fact. And we just read it in chapter three, verse 18, right? God already said, they will listen to you, didn't he? They will listen to you. So his excuse doesn't fly. And his excuse, it's a common excuse that we see all the time. It's the what ifs, right? The what ifs. I know I hurt that person and I know that I should do something about it, but what if they don't forgive me? Or maybe someone hurt you and they don't know it and I I know I should go to that person because that's what Jesus says that I should go, but what if they don't own their deal? What if, what if they don't ask for forgiveness, right? I know I'm supposed to treat my spouse like this, but what if they don't reciprocate? In fact, I don't, I don't think they will. Oh, so I'm gonna put myself out there and, and they're not, what happens? I know, I know I shouldn't be dating this non-believer, but he's got a job and he's cute and he has a motorcycle, right? And what if... This is my last chance to get married. What if no one else comes along? What if? I know God has called me to live generously, but you know, we're, we're pretty tight right now and I got college zones. What if, if I, if I do what I feel like God wants me to do and right, the first check of the month goes to, to the Lord, well, what if I need X? What if the transmission blows? What if there's hot? What if? Right? I know that every time I go out with those group of people, I end up in a bad place. But what if I say no? Maybe they don't want to be my friend anymore. What if? I, I, I know that purity matters, and, and, and I should be in this relationship with this, this guy, with this girl, that, that God cares about my purity. But if, if, if I say no, what if, they, what if they dump me? If they break out with me? I know I'm struggling with this issue and, and no one knows, but, but what if I tell somebody? What if I actually do tell my community group? What if I do tell my accountability party? What, if they, what do they think of me? My parents want me to be X, but I feel like, God, you want me to be Y, but they're investing all this money in my college and they've, they've been dreaming of me being a, you know, a neurosurgeon for so many years. What if, I, what if I tell them that I don't feel like that's where God wants me? What if? What if? I know I have, a, I have a passion to start this and I'm really good at this, uh, but what if the economy crashes? What if, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if you can, what if yourself to death? What if I go all in and follow in Jesus? What if he makes me move to somewhere where the jungle where I got to you know, run around in a loincloth eating locusts? What if? What if I end up single? What if I get married? What if I don't get married? What if I have kids? What if I have too many kids? What if my dog gets pregnant? What if, what if, what if? You can what if all day long. Right? Enough with the what ifs. Right? You cannot, you cannot keep doing that when God has been clear, when he's given direction. Here's a big what if, and this is probably Moses' what if. What if I fail? Right? What if it doesn't work? What if? I mean, if you think this Moses is probably like um, God. I don't know if you know this, but I tried this deal 40 years earlier. And I was a lot younger. I wasn't sagging as much, right? And I didn't have arthritis in my knees and I didn't have all this gray hair. I was kind of strong. I was kind of big, you know? And I went all WWF on this guy and I tried it and they rejected me. I already tried this. Not on top of that now, I got, they got wanted posters all over Egypt that say Moses. I failed right it's a big what if right and some of you are using your past failures as an excuse for for disobedience in the present well i failed as a parent how can i be super engaged now as a grandparent and act like i care about spiritual things they're just going to think i'm a hypocrite right well I, my first marriage failed and now and now i want to engage and be be a good spouse i mean there's just there's no one's gonna buy that. Or I used to run with this crowd and we used to always do this. If I say no now, they're gonna be like, what, what, what in the world? Why? Right? Who are you? You're just a hypocrite. You're religious. You're a Bible thumper. What if, what if? Right? Well, God doesn't seem to mind Moses' failure. And what if doesn't seem to fly. It's not an excuse. See, what if is rooted in fear. It's actually rooted in unbelief fear of the unknown, what's going to happen? It's, it's, it's actually a myth because we think we're, I can't control that if I do that. You're not in control anyway. It's actually a myth, right? So the solution, the solution to your what if is faith. It's belief. That, that's, the, that's the command, right? Now, now, the opposite of fear is not faith. They're not actually, sometimes your opposite of fear is faith. Actually, fear is a feeling. Faith is a choice. It's a gift. So they're not the opposite. But the way you combat fear is with faith. You can still be afraid and have faith. But the way you fight fear is with faith. And what God is trying to do here is to build his faith. Remember, we're talking big God, small man. Remember that we talked about that the very first week. It's a theme that constantly comes up. Right? Big God, small view of man. And, and let me encourage you when, God, when you, when you feel like God is impressing upon you to do this, you, you know that this is a clear command from God and the what ifs start to creep in. What if, what if, what if? You need to remember that what if is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Because the outcome is not up to you anyway. It's just not. You're not in control. See, faith is taking God at his word and leaving the result to God which is great news because that means the pressure is off. The pressure's off. You're not resp- Moses is not responsible for whether or not Pharaoh believes, whether or not the people of Israel believe. He can't do that anyway. In fact, he's not going to be able to convince Pharaoh because God's gonna say, I'm hardening his heart so he won't listen to you. Well, thanks, God. You tell me to do something and then you make it seemingly impossible to do it. See, the results are not up to you so you don't have to worry about the results god is not evaluating you based on the results he's evaluating you based on the obedience you trust him with the results and if you fail because you were being obedient god is just as much glorified when you get cut from the team as it when you make the team when you're when your heart is well god is enough right that's that's what's going on. So he's building his faith. Look how he builds his faith. Look at verse two. Um, he, the Lord said to him, I love this. What is that in your hand? As if, you know, it's this God kind of sending stooping down to his level, right? Because God's not like, oh, I can't see that. The flames are too bright in this bush. What is that in your hand? It's like when we come home and, and Maisie, who our, our puppy who gets into everything, she must be able to climb, you know, cabinets because she can find stuff on the top shelf and there's just trash everywhere and, and we can see the trash and we know that she's gotten into the trash but what do we say? What is that? What are we doing? We're drawing attention to that, right? He's saying, what is that in your hand? Uh, a staff? Why is he drawing attention to it? I think two reasons. Number one, that staff is a sign of his failure, isn't it? Because I tried to deliver with a scepter And this is where I end up the shepherd's staff. It's a symbol of his failure, but also it's, it's something that he's super familiar with. This is what he's been carrying for what, 30, 40 years? He's probably got, you know, you've, you've used your old, you know, maybe a golf club or a hat or something that just fits perfect as you use it so long. It's probably got grooves on, its, on his side that he's been holding stains from his sweat that it's just on that. It just feels good in his hand. He's used to it. And I think it's a reminder. Hey, I don't need you to be someone else. I, I use what, what you got. Right? What do you got in your hand? A staff. And so he's going to use this staff. Verse three. He says, throw it down the ground. Uh, that's kind of a weird statement right so what does he do he throws it and it became a serpent and moses does what most of you do he runs he's not all oh look lord this is of the alapidea family and uh you see the fangs and oh look at that and he's not doing that now some of you are some of you think you're the crocodile hunter and you're gonna you you better watch it right oh crikey look at all you know it's not what he does he runs Right, And then God says, okay, now I want, you to, I want you to grab it by its tail, which is apparently not the smart thing to do. Apparently, when you got a poisonous snake, it's probably poisonous. You wouldn't run from it if it was a garter. Well, some of you would run from it if it was a garter snake because you run from everything. But he knows snakes, and this is probably poisonous. And so you know you don't grab a snake by its tail because it can bite you. What do you, you grab by its head? But he says, grab it by its tail. Catch it by its tail. And Moses is probably like, what you talking about, Willis? I... But he goes and he grabs it and what happens? It becomes a staff in his hand again. It says that you may believe, there's this faith, that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. It's a sign for you. So what's going on there? He's gonna give him three signs. These signs all are for Moses, but are also for the Egyptian. The serpent, the cobra, was a symbol of Egypt. In fact, Pharaoh had it on his little, on his crown. Symbol of power. And what is God saying? I'm gonna grab that snake by its tail and it's gonna be dead. That's who I am. Building his faith. Next sign. Again, the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. Now take it out. He took it out. It's leprous, like snow. It's all decrepit and falling, fingers just falling off, and just it's in stage four leprosy. Uh, And in Egypt, leprosy was a death sentence. Right? Your life was over. You were isolated. You maybe go to a leper colony, but they could not cure it. With all their wisdom, all their doctors, all their everything, they couldn't cure leprosy. No one could cure leprosy. God says, look at your hand. Now he said, put it back in. And Take it out again. It's new. What's that? Something that they, with all their wisdom and all their power, they have no power over this, over life and death. I do. Do you believe me, Moses? All right, do you believe me, faith? One more sign. If they will not believe you guys said, or listen to the first sign, they may be the latter sign. If they will not believe uh, even these two signs are listening to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile. The Nile was, was everything for Egypt, right? There is no Egypt if there is no Nile. It is food, it Is the economy, it economy, Is everything. They worshiped the Nile. It was their God, right? So, and we're gonna, that's why one of the first attacks on the plagues is against the Nile. He says, take some, scoop some water out and pour it on the ground. And when it, Falls on the ground, it will become blood. Again, a sign for Egypt. You think this is life, it's gonna be death. I have power over life, I have a power over death. Moses, do you believe me? I am that I am, right? They're significant for him because he is building his faith. And I know if some of us would say, well, man, if God would give me some, some cool parlor tricks like that, I'd do anything for him. If he gave me some signs... He's given you something greater. He's given you the greatest sign. He's given you the resurrection of Jesus. What is greater than that? He says, What if? It's not an excuse. Your biggest enemy, death, has been defeated, conquered, done. He's proved his love for you in the death and resurrection of Christ. What if doesn't fly? Right? So that's how he answers the first one. Let's go into the next one, verse 10. His second excuse. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses saying, God, this sounds like a job that there's a lot of public speaking. And I just am not good at public speaking. You want me to yell at sheep? I can yell at sheep. You want me to go ba? I can baa all day long. But when it comes to talking to people, I get tongue tied. I don't know what to say. I just... I'm not good at this. And some have actually suggested that Moses did have a speech impediment. It's possible, maybe he did. I I, I tend not to believe that because when Stephen preaches in Acts chapter seven talking about Moses, he said that Moses was mighty in word and deeds. So this may be a little false humility here, just a little fear, right? Whether it's legitimate or not, it's not the point. See, the question is not, Who am I? I'm just, I can't speak. That's the wrong question. The question is, who is he? Who are you, God? Right? But here's the second excuse that some of us use. It's the but eyes. But but I'm the only one in my fraternity who's a Christian. But I'm the only one at the office who doesn't, doesn't cheat. But I'm poor. But I'm single. I'm just a high school student. I'm short. Which is probably a legitimate one. That's a that's a legit excuse. I don't. Here's another. But I don't have any time. I don't have any time. I've been struggling with this for ten years. But you don't know my family. But you don't know my background. I, I could never lead a group. I could never X. I could never Y. But I. I can't read the Bible for myself. I'm just you know. But I. But I. But I. What's your but I? I'm just average. I heard Matt Chandler preach a sermon. It was great. He said, Hey, just so y'all know, everybody here, you're average. I know your mom told you otherwise. This is the one time she lied to you. You're average. Right? There's very few unaverage, above average. Right? There's very few Moseses. Most of us are just average. If you were not average, you would be playing in the Super Bowl next week. Tom Brady, above average. You, average. Okay? But here's the good news God uses and delights in the average and he can use the average. Now, if you're above average, God can still use you, it's just much more difficult because you know it and you rely on your giftedness and on your strength and not on him. Right. How do you handle the butt eyes? The good news is it's not about you anyway. It's not about Moses, right? And, and here's what I love. God does not do what our culture would do. Oh, Moses, that's not true, right? That's not true. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and daggum it, people like you. They love you, right? In my generation, we had this little book, still out there, I'm sure, Little Engine that Could, right? Remember it? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, right? And as soon as he could, oh, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, That's that's what we're taught, right? You can do anything. Even like the next generation, my kids' generation, blues clues, the original blues clues, the the purest version with Steve, not the modern day craziness that's on there, right? But the closing song, you remember the closing song? Me and you and my dog named Blue can you can do anything you want to do. Let me add another line. That's not true. I cannot become a Jedi Knight. I cannot become An NFL linebacker. I don't care how much I want it. I think I can. I think I can. Then I die. (laughs) Right? I try to tackle somebody and I die. Because I just can't do that. There's certain things I can do. Go get a job, get married, I pay my taxes. I can do those things. Just because you want it doesn't mean you can do it. Doesn't mean you don't try. Doesn't mean you don't set goals. But see, God doesn't point it back to... All oh, gone at Moses. You can do it. He didn't point him to himself at all. Where does he point him? To him. Right. What does he say? Moses. Who made man's mouth? Good question. You did, God. That's right. Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Uh, that would be you, God. That's right. It is I, Yahweh. I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who made you with limitations. I know you. I know what your strengths are. I know what your past is. I know what your limitations are. I know it all. You're worried about you. You're missing who you're talking to. Remember? Burning bush. God almighty. See, as long as we're focused on us, we're going to have the butt eyes. But when we have big view of God, small view of man, we can see him accomplish things. But I can't conquer sin. I've been struggling. I've had this addiction for 10 years. I've been... Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, you're right. You cannot. But Jesus did... Right? That's the point. But, but I'm an introvert. Who made you an introvert? God made you an introvert. But I'm short. But I'm tall. But I didn't come from, a, I came from a broken family. Who made that? Who, who knew your background? God did. Right? See, God always will empower God's work. Always. When he's directing, when he's leading, when he's, he's commanded you, he will always empower what he's called you to do. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. But he will always empower. If it was easy you wouldn't need him, <laughs> right? If it was easy, th- th- what's your need for him, right? But he says, now, go. And here, here's what I love, right? How do you, here, here's what I think is critical. How do you un- see the, the power of God unleashed in Moses' life and in our life? Look at verse 12. Now, therefore, go. Notice the order now. Go, and I will be with you, And then I'll teach you what you shall speak. I think this is critical. We want want the first thing, I'll teach you what to say and then go. Now, sometimes you gotta take the step of go and then God shows up, right? But you gotta go. That's what he's done so far every time here, right? See, faith moves us to action and then when there's action, then we see God start to move. So what does he say? Remember back, throw the staff down. You gotta throw the staff down. Pick, pick it up by its tail. I got to move, and then I see God move. I got to put my hand in, and then I see God move. I got to actually pour the water out. That's, can you imagine standing before Israel? Behold the power of God. God, I hope this works. I hope this works. I hope this works. He scoops it up. It's water. He looks in the cup. Still water. I got to actually pour it out on the ground in front of him. The... What if it doesn't work, and it's just water? And I'm like, ta-da, Water. I have made water. He's got to take his step of faith and God shows up. And maybe for you, you got the, but I, but I, you just need to take that first step and here it is, go. Go, right? Little step, go. Boy bringing five loaves, two fish. I got, is all I got, God. I'll take that and I'll feed 5,000. The power of God shows up because He goes, and it doesn't have to be some dramatic thing. All right, I'm just going to walk to the to the ocean and just. We're not talking about that. What's the next step of what God has led you to do? You know that God is calling you to plug in at CBC. You've been here two years. You still don't know anybody. You know what the first step is? Just next week, sign up for a community group, and respond to the emails when you get the emails, because I you know some of you will sign up and then you'll ghost whoever. Or go to a start here class. This is the next step for membership. That's the first, that's a little go, right? Maybe some of you feel called to fostering adoption and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. That's a lot of money. You just start filling out the paperwork. That's your go, right? You you feel like God wants you to kind of reach your roommate, your friend, your your coworker. Invite your, your roommate to college group on Thursday night. That's your first step of go, like, I just really need to, to get into the word more. I need to read the Bible more. I just need to know what God has said. So turn off Netflix at 10 o'clock and set your alarm 30 minutes early in the morning. That's your go. It's a little step, but go. And then get up. We're not, no, snooze, 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 snooze. Oh, I got two minutes to read the Bible now. Now go. Some of you, it's as simplistic as, I know I need to get healthy. I'm not healthy. Uh, you know, my, my temple is becoming, you know, Temples. Um, and so so the step, the go for you is go home and throw out the Lay's potato chips and the diet soda which doesn't work by the way and eat an apple it's a simple go right uh, there's all these things you want I want God to move in my family okay good set an alarm once a day to pray for a specific members of your family when it goes off short little prayer pray for my spouse Lord, I just pray for my spouse right now, but pray for my kids, whatever. This little goes, right? Little goes, and, and you'll see God move, right? And again, it's, it's key. This is when God is leading. This is when God is directing. This is when his word is spoken. It's a, there's a spiritual reason behind it. If it's just a, oh, I, I want I to do 50 push-ups by the end of February, there's nothing wrong with that, but when it's connected to a spiritual purpose, when it's connected to God, there's no excuses, Right? What is God directing you? And it won't be easy. Anytime you rise up and say, we will build, the enemy will say, we will destroy. But God has got you. God is with you. So no more whatis, no more but eyes. And here's one more. And here's, here's the excuse that really gets God's goad. This is, this is when God uh, gets fired up. Verse 13. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. At least he's polite, please. What is, this is really his heart, I just don't wanna go. I don't, I don't wanna go, All right? And, and the last excuse is the, is the no thank yous, so polite. No thank you, God. And God has been patient and kind. He's revealed himself. He's given him clear direction. He's actually told him the results before they happened. I mean, he has been very gracious here, but this stirs him up to anger. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses because what Moses is doing is not, he may sound polite, please God, no thank you. He is saying no to God, isn't he? Which is pretty bold. It sounds nice, but he's saying No to the great I am, as he's hiding his face with no shoes on, no, it's not a good place. And does God love him? Yes, is God compassionate towards him? Yes, but God's anger is kindled because he is saying no to God. It's not a good place for the people of God. When God is saying, this is an area I want you to work on, this patience, this love, this, 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 and we say, no. No, thank you, God. I want you to serve. I want you to be involved. I want you to love on this person. I want you to forgive that person. No. No. I want you to reach your roommate. I want you to trust me with your finances. Trust me with your job. Trust me with your relationship. No. Uh, Just so you know, when that's your response to the God of the universe, no, he's not like, oh, okay. That's okay then. It's okay. Whatever you think. It's not his response. Does he love us? Yes. Will we always be his children? Yes. Can he get angry? Yes. Because you don't tell the God of the universe, no. There's no place for the follower of Jesus to say, no thanks. There's no place for the follower of Jesus to say, you know, I know you say that the fields are ripe for harvest and, and you have things for me to do and you want me to go and you want me to change, but now I'm good. There's no place for that. In fact, I would I would say if that is your heart and the tenor of your life where you're constantly like, no, 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 and there's no heart to obey, and there's no heart to follow, there's no heart to serve, I would say based on the authority of scripture, look, you may not know God at all because his sheep hear his voice and they listen. I'm not saying perf- perfectly, but at least there's a stumbling forward at some point. Right? You don't say no to god here's moses saying no and here's what's going to happen he's we obviously know he's going to go but he is going to miss god's best and if you're telling god no 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 no, you may miss god's best right god's going to use him and god's going to actually he's going to in some ways say okay here's here, here's what i'm going to do look at what look what god says He says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be in your mouth with his mouth and I will teach you both what to do. So basically saying, God said, I'm gonna tell you what to say, then fine. You wanna tell Aaron? Aaron can tell the people. You're scared to talk? Fine, let Aaron talk. I'll tell you, you tell him. He shall speak for you to the people and shall be your mouth and you shall be as a God to him. Whatever he says, whatever I say, you say, whatever you say, he says, whatever he says, goes. Right? But that's not the way that God wanted it. And what we're gonna see later on in this book is Aaron, this might be very comforting to Moses now, phew, I don't have to speak, but Aaron is gonna, gonna become a thorn in Moses' side. And he's gonna end up doing the very thing that God called him to do anyway. He's gonna be like, fine, Aaron, you're out. Because Aaron is the one who makes the golden calf. Aaron's the one who the people are like, we want a God. He says, let's, let's get some earrings together and make a calf. And pulls people away. So Moses has got to step in. He misses the best, which he ends up doing anyway when he finally grows up. right? And so verse 17, here's how, here's how the section ends. He says, he reminds him, you're going to go. <laughs> this is not a suggestion. So take your... Your staff and your hand, your hand and yours the staff the one that you will do the signs. He pulls him back again to his, his failure again, his symbol of failure. It's also, remember, a symbol of rejection because the Egyptians hate shepherds, but God is going to use a shepherd to deliver. He says, you just take this symbol of failure, take this symbol of rejection, and watch what I'm gonna do. You just watch. And that's what he does. And I think the encouragement for us this morning is, Moses goes, and Moses grows up. And he gets over his excuses. No more but-eyes, no more what-ifs, no more no-thank-yous, he goes. And so if you've been but-eyeing and, and uh, what if and no-thank-you, it it's not too late. Right, because he becomes one of the greatest, if not the greatest, a hero of the Old Testament and does some amazing things and God uses them. And he grows and he learns. So if you're like, well, but, but, but I'm, just, I'm just not smart. I'm just weak, I'm a Nobody. I'm poor. I'm, um... Remember what the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak to shame the strong. The low and despised he chose uh, even the things that are not to bring about things that are. Why? So that no one can boast except in God. He uses a Roman cross a symbol of shame and cursing to bring about life and hope. See, that's what God does. So what is your excuse this morning? What what has God been making clear in your life? Really, I mean, I don't know. What is that thing that you know I'm supposed to be dealing with or I know I'm supposed to do? And what are you doing? What if-in, eye no thank you-ing, they just, they just don't fly, right? But God is with you, and God is with us. If we'll trust and believe and we'll go, we won't miss his best uh, for what he's calling us to do. Let me pray, uh, and we're gonna sing, and just use this time again to ask God, what are you, what are you calling me to do? That's why we have some singing afterwards, just to reflect, to sit in it, to ask questions, uh, to respond uh, to God, and, and let you, as you sit there or stand there, uh, respond to whatever God's leading, whatever God's doing, how He's directing. So, I want you stand? We'll pray, and then we'll we'll sing just a few songs. Father, just by your Spirit, lead your people uh, to not make excuses to go, to follow, to obey, to trust you have proven yourself time and time again and you are good uh, use us for your name's sake lord i just pray for the person here that's that they're they're like fair they're they're hardening their heart that they would not that they would soften it they would listen that we would be tender uh, and that you would speak directly to us by your spirit who dwells in us and lead us towards yourself it's in christ's name i pray